have you open now. That's John's name. John chapter 1, verse 35 to the end. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning round, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You're Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee, finding, uh, finding Philip. He said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law, about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come out of there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching him, he said, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You'll see greater things than that. And he added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Heavenly Father, please help us to understand that passage, um, what John wanted to communicate, what you want to communicate to us. Give us receptive hearts, we pray, our clear minds, and help us to not walk away from what you show us but to take it in and let it change our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. A week's a long time in politics. That's what um, Harold Wilson said, and it was a sentiment that had, uh, uh, had been uttered many times before. And frankly, um, uh, a week is a long time in international politics this uh, week, isn't it? Um, Putin had just begun his invasion a week ago, and... Um, uh, things are progressing and getting worse and worse. A week is a long time in our church's life um, at, the, at the moment. Um, that's the way it goes sometimes. And for John, a week is a very important period of time. In John's Gospel, what, what John does is he, he focuses from chapter 12 onwards on, the, on one week. And he makes it very plain. It is, it is the, the, the one week that led up to the Passover. The last week of Jesus' life. And nearly half of his whole gospel is focused on that 
last week and all the events that lead up to the Passover. Why? Because the most important thing that he wants to say is about Jesus, the Son of God, who is going to die on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins. It is the most important thing he wants to communicate. It is, the, it is the, absolutely the centre of his message. And he is absolutely certain it is the centre of everything that matters for humanity, for every, every individual human being. We do an enormous variety of things from from what Zach does to, to a, a thousand and one other, other different things. Our lives are rich and varied and, uh, and wonderful. But the centre of, uh, of any human life that is fulfilled and rich and complete in terms of what it means to be human, John is telling us, is to know this Jesus who died on the cross on that first Good Friday. That's a week, the last week of Jesus' life. But then there's another week in John's Gospel. Did you notice all the next day, next day, next day statements in the end of uh, uh, John chapter 1? Uh, um, uh, Bible scholars do argue a little bit, but it seems to be a week. It is actually entirely in, in tune with the way that John tends to communicate, that he often starts off a bit enigmatic before he gets absolutely transparent. He's absolutely transparent from chapter 12 onwards. He's dealing with the last week of Jesus' life. He's just a little bit more enigmatic in this first week that he records at the beginning of his gospel. Um, if you know, for instance, uh, you may know that John uh, says seven times, records Jesus saying seven times, I am. And the first time, it sort of almost looks in context like he's just saying, over here, over here. And you could slip past it. The last time that Jesus says, I am, it's in the garden when he's arrested and he says, I am, to the Roman troops. And they almost fall on the ground as if they've seen God himself. It's the way John works. So let's run with it. Let's, let's think, assume, as seems to be the case, that what he's doing here is he's introducing us to a little week of witness. And that's what it is. A week of witness. Because if there's one other thing that is really important to John, it is not only about the message of Jesus, it's about people bearing witness to Jesus. That's what he's introducing us to. And it will continue through his gospel, though we haven't got time to look at it. So let's look then at this week of witness. It actually begins in James's uh, passage from last week. So I'm, I'm just going to mention it rather than uh, dwell on it. Because John seems to be building for us 
a, a, a momentum in terms of people finding out who Jesus is. Um, the first day is from chapter is from verse nineteen to um, uh, uh, twenty eight, and James was telling us that the first day, the main thing they need to know is it's not about us, it's not about me, it's not about John the Baptist. This is not the, the, this extraordinary thing that's going to happen that he's going to record should not be, uh, the, the, the origin of it is not even the greatest of them, John the Baptist. Uh, people always want to think of Christianity and churches as a human movement. Um, I've been through a good number of um, uh, storms and controversies in um, uh, in Oxford over the years. Um, one that uh, happened a, a number of years ago was one of, was a was a, a disciple of Richard Dawkins, a, a theology professor, who was campaigning to get uh, the church that I led then out of a school. It was a very vigorous campaign, and um, I I went and talked to him, and he spent the whole time talking about your followers. And I said, I'm very flattered that you think that I can gather a church of 150 people uh, to meet every, um, every week and to fund my wage and so on. Frankly, you are greatly overestimating me. I said, I believe there's something else going on that means that this church has out, had outgrown its church building and had to move, move into a school. It's not about us. It's about something far bigger, far more powerful, that confounds those who look at the church. How on earth did these people become that? Second day, um, from uh, uh, verse uh, 29 onwards, Look, says John, this is what it's about, Jesus, the the Lamb of God. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's not about us. This is who it's about. It's about Jesus and, and this particular role for Jesus that I've already mentioned, that he will die as a sacrifice for our sins. He is the Lamb of God, the sacrificial Lamb of God. No, it's not about us, it's about that Lamb, day two. Day three. Well, let me, let me just, at the end of day two, um, just to note that he's starting to add, starting to see other titles for Jesus. I have seen and testify, the witness bit, this is God's chosen one. Day three, though. Not about us, it's about the Lamb of God. It's about not only John the Baptist, but other people seeing it. Next day, John was there with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning round, Jesus saw them and following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied. And you will see. It is about seeing this chapter, the end of this chapter again 
and again and again. And now these disciples are coming, they are following, and as they spend time with Jesus, they will see. I said before, didn't I, um, a couple of weeks ago, Christianity is essentially experimental. It is essentially something that you come to believe in as not only as you dispassionately look, but as you start to engage, as you start to connect. Many people feel uh, worried about doing that. Um, is, is that making me a Christian just because I turn up on day one? No, no, no. That, that we, we in our church culture and any, every church culture wants to, to, for people to be free to, to come and to go without compulsion. But we do welcome other people in because you simply will not find out who Jesus really is without that personal knowledge I was describing about that, that personal engage, engagement. Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where we were staying and spent the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Probably the following few verses are the next day. Um, uh, the day after that, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the, the, the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was find his brother, Simon, and tell him, we have found the Messiah. Here's another title for Jesus. That is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. So more disciples, more titles, more awareness, a growing awareness of the richness and the depth of who Jesus is. He's not, he is the, the Lamb of God, but not just the Lamb of God. He is the chosen one of God. He is the Messiah, the great anointed one of God. And more and more disciples are being gathered into that throng. The next day, Verse 43, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like, like Andrew and Peter, uh, was from the town of Bethsaida. And he found Nathanael and told him, we found the one Moses wrote about. Another description of Jesus, um, about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the, the son of Joseph. Here we go, another disciple, Nathanael now added into the crowd of following. But Nathaniel also adds another element, another realistic element of what this gathering crowd is having to deal with. Nazareth? Can anything good come out of there? Nathaniel asked. I've heard things about these Jesus followers. I've heard things about Jesus. And it's not too complimentary. Christianity has always lived with rumours and accusations and distortions of reality. In the early church, they used to think that they drank babies' blood and, and all, all, all kinds of extraordinary things. 
They used to mock them. There's a famous uh, uh, early Greek um, uh, orator who mocked the Christians for being so ridiculous and stupid as to go and visit their friends who were thrown into prison and give them food and look after them and pray for them and, and go and look after the poor and the useless and the helpless people and collect babies from the, um, uh, from, from the, um, uh, that have been exposed on the rubbish heaps. Um, the, these Christians, he said, are so ridiculous and pathetic. They love the weak. They love the poor. They love the, those who've been condemned by the state. Don't go anywhere near them. That, 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 that's always, that rhetoric has always been around. Can anything good come out of this Jesus, this, uh, this Jesus movement? Come and see, said Philip. In other words, um, here, here is the antidote to that. Come and see him. Come and get a taste of who this Jesus is. Come and get a taste of who his, who his followers are. I've, over the years, I've read numerous articles in newspapers. Um, it's a sort of standard story. A journalist hears um, of something scandalous that is happening in some church up and down that country, what, what, whatever it is. And, um, and they decide, well, they'll just go and, and, and sit in a, in a church service and then they'll chat to people afterwards, sort of undercover and uh, write a bit of copy as a result of it. And they always say the same thing. They always say, the people were lovely. The people were kind. The people were friendly. Obviously, there's something horrible going on, but I didn't see it, they say. Because the reality is found in the tasting. But there will always be stuff out there about Christians. And then, the last day is chapter 2. It's a party. It's the wedding in Cana. It is the, 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 the culmination of that little week. As you know the story, Jesus turns water into wine and uh, it, it is the best wine. And people are, who know, are amazed. What's Jesus saying? Or oh, what's John saying? John is saying... And here is the dynamic that Jesus sets up in the world and will set up till the end of time. A dynamic of slowly uh, increasing crowd of disciples of all kinds. One inviting another, inviting another, inviting another. Of scepticism. Can anything good come out? but of a slow building picture of Jesus, the Lamb of God, the Chosen One, the Messiah. Indeed, let's spend a couple of minutes looking, looking um, at uh, one thing that Jesus says on uh, just before the wedding at Cana. He says, very truly, end of chapter one, I tell you, you will see heaven open 
and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. That is actually a reference to Genesis 28. We haven't got a t- time to look at it um, in detail. So let me, let me tell you the story. Jacob, um, uh, um, one of, the, one of the, the Israelites, is fleeing the, uh, the promised land. And he lies down to sleep just on the edge of the promised land. Just frankly, as he's going out into the wilderness, into, the, into, into exile effectively, away. And he has a dream. He has a dream of a ladder stretching from where he's lying right up to heaven and angels ascending and descending on the, uh, the, the earth, on the land. And there are so many things that, are, that, that he hears. That God is the God who keeps his promises. That God is the God who, who will be with Jacob even when he goes out into uh, a hostile world. That God is a God who will bless Jacob and has not promised, uh, not forgotten his promise to bless him. And Jacob Jacob wakes up and says, surely God is in this place. Surely this 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 place is a connection between heaven and earth. And I have heard, I have met the living God as I slept and saw that vision. Now transpose that to Jesus. No, you'll, you'll see, says Jesus, angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man, on me. And I will be the place where you learn that God keeps all his promises. I will be the place where you learn that I am God is with you always, wherever you go in the world. I will be the place where God keeps his promise to bless you abundantly. I will be the place now on the earth where people look at me and they say, surely God is in this place, in this man. As he stands upon the earth, as he blesses people, as he teaches And as he finally goes to the cross and dies for our sins. This is the place where heaven meets earth. It is Jesus. And your story and my story and our church's story and the church throughout history is exactly that story. It is the story of one day after another, inviting someone. They come along and they catch a glimpse of who Jesus might be. And they have objections. And they are invited, come and see. And they finally come to realise that he is the centre, the very heart of God's relationship with his world. He is the very focus of God's, God's promise to bless all of us. Surely God is in Jesus. That's the week. And that is also the story of your life. You're part of that as you talk to a friend and say, come and see. You're part of that as you yourself say, Really? 
Can anything good come out of church? The Bible? And the friend says, come and see. And slowly, 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 you as an individual, the people you know, one after the other, in fact, in the whole world, people come to know the living God through Jesus and their lives are never the same. Actually, there's one other dimension to this week. Let me mention it just quickly before we finish. It's not just, did you notice, about people seeing Jesus. It's about Jesus seeing people. Look, for instance, um, at this, my eyesight's getting bad. Um, uh, turning round, Jesus saw them. This 32, is it? My eyesight's saying. Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? He turned, he saw them, he invited them into a relationship. That was what, what he did. He took the initiative. Or um, it becomes even more uh, prominent as he's talking to Peter, verse 42. Jesus looked at him and he said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. In other words, now he sees him and not just invites him in, but he identifies the role that he's going to have, because Cephas means Peter, means rock. And on this rock I will build my church, says Jesus. He saw him and he said, he is going to do that for me. And he saw you and he said, he or she is going to do that for me. That is what they, their role is going to be in my great story. I know them. I can, I can even, e e even name them, identify their role from the very first time that I see them. And then it becomes more pronounced with Nathaniel. You see the building picture. Um, uh, Jesus, verse uh, um, uh, 47, Jesus saw Nathanael approaching and said to him, here truly is an Israelite in, in whom I, there is no deceit. How do you know me, Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. And then Nathanael declared, you are the son of God, the, the king of Israel. I, I, know, I knew you, he says, when you were at primary school. And running around. And having all kinds of experiences that I was building together. I identified certain characteristics in you. I, I knew you when you were at secondary school. And those friends you had. Some who helped you. Some who, who weaned you off some things. I knew you. You thought it was you. Exploring. Coming and seeing having your objections dealt with. But it was me, says Jesus. 
I saw you and I determined to call you to myself. It's a week, this one also, of Jesus seeing us. That is what's happened to you. And that is why it will never, ever be just your decision. It is a sovereign drawing of Jesus to you. And he will not let you go. That's the most important thing about your life. That you know what he's focused on in the last week of Jesus' life. Jesus dying on the cross. And you become part of the great story. Not only for yourself, but for others. And Jesus looks and sees. And you come and see.